Well, let's get into the Word as we are looking at rediscovering Christmas. And this morning, we're going to talk about finding love and our differences. Because I can dare say, each and every one of us have issues with one, <laughs> one person or another. You know what I'm saying? I don't usually come up with different stories and stuff, but I thought this was a pretty interesting takeoff of a, a, a song. So let me start out with a story. There were two old farmers, uh, and they were neighbors, and they had a feud running for, for many years going on, and they hadn't spoken to each other in quite some time, and the whole thing started over of a cat. The cat was astray, and both these farmers began to feed the cat. And each one claimed it to be his own, you know, or, you know, this is my cat now. And the other farmer's like, no, it's my cat now. And from there, everything kind of went downhill. And these neighbors quit talking, and the grudge just kind of escalated to, to bigger and bigger things to the point that one of them dug a ditch to, to reroute a spring, and it divided their properties, one day, a carpenter came through the area looking for work, and he knocked on the door and hit one of the farmers, and the farmer said, well, if he's going to try to, you know, he's thinking, if he's going to try to divide us by digging that ditch, then I might as well finish the job. I would like, uh, you know, I don't want to even have to look at him. I would like a fence to be built. So we asked the carpenter to, to build a fence all the way across the, the property, a nice, big, tall fence. The carpenter said, okay, I could do that, but it would take a lot more wood. So the farmer went into town to buy some wood, and the carpenter started working the, the wood in the, you know, with the wood that was in the shed. And the, and the farmer came driving back and you know, along the dirt road to his home, and he looked across the field, and he didn't see any fence going up, and he was wondering what the guy was doing. And instead of a barrier that he wanted, he saw the carpenter build a bridge across the creek. And across this bridge, his neighbor was standing there and came walking over the bridge and up to him with his hand out, you know, outstretched with a big sheepish grin on his face, face and says, you're a brave man. I didn't ever think you would want to hear from me again, much less, you know, talk to me. Can you forgive me? The first farmer was surprised and he reached out his hand to shake, you know, to shake it and he found himself saying, well, ah, I knew it was your cat anyway. The story is by a, a singer-songwriter named David Wilcox, and he uses it to introduce a, a song called Fearless Love. And the song goes on to weave together, you know, another narrative about a church protest and a person caught up in it remembering Jesus' teaching to the disciples uh, to love the enemies by using the example of carrying a Roman soldier, you know, their pack twice the required distance by law. And the course goes, fearless love makes, your, makes you cross the border. The love that Jesus has and embodied in our world is indeed fearless love. Besides simply lacking any fear, the love of Jesus defies and overcomes that fear. And, and, and today as we journey through Advent, we're focusing on the love that Jesus brought into the world and into our lives. The whole cast of Christmas is about love united. And as we've journeyed through this Advent season, 
We've been looking at different, uh, different people and different characters and historical figures in the nativity story. And we kind of dug into the experience and the process, usually of, of just one or two individuals as we go. But today I want to look at, a, a, you know, take a different approach. I'd like uh, to look at all the people of the biblical account of Christ's birth. When we start to look at this, we realize that the birth of Christ brings together a wide variety of and types of people of, of many different divides and contrast. If we walk through the, the story in order, we start with the, you know, Zachariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph. You have the young and you have the old in the same story. The, prophet, the prophets and covenants of Israel's path and, uh, you know, and, and the fulfillment and the promise of the Messiah and the new you know, spiritual future. The separation and death of the past and the restoration of the now and the, and the present and going forward. And then we meet the shepherds and the angels, the beings of earth and heaven, the physical and the spiritual as they head to the stable. There are animals there as well as humans, the beings of creation. And then we can look in Matthew's Christmas account and meet the Magi, who were these mysterious guys from the east. We're not entirely sure exactly who they are. They followed the star from a long distance to find and, and worship the promised Messiah. Some scholars think that they were all the way from China. At any rate, whether, you know, we, we know that they were likely astrologers or, or some type of rulers. The Magi were noble and wealthy men who demonstrate God bringing even more divides. The Magi are these esteemed opposite to the lowly shepherds and the human social structures. But importantly, they're Gentiles, not Jews. So we see another divide. Their inclusion in the, in the Jesus' birth story echoes the, the racial idea that, that Christ the Messiah brings salvation and restoration to all people, not just the Jews. The Magis are, are holy men of some sort, and they seem to bring to a more mystical tradition than, than the Jewish leaders, um, you know, that they kind of like, but 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 they importantly contrast the spiritual Jewish leaders of the day. There are no Pharisees, there's no Sadducees, and no spiritual VIPs of, of any you know, part in Jesus' birth. Instead, these are travelers of a different race who received an audience of, you know, to King Herod, albeit one with sinister intentions, of course, yet who are willing to disrupt their lives and do this great journey and humble themselves to worship at the feet of a baby, an unassuming couple in the countryside. The cast of characters God assembles for the arrival of his son on earth is far from the expectations any of us would have ever imagined, and probably even further from the expectations of the people at the time who lived and breathed within the culture who are part of the divisions in the world. Now, to us, it may seem as this kind of ragtag bunch. To them, it was downright blasphemous. 
that the Messiah would be so lowly and associated with the full spectrum of unclean humanity and creation. Could Jesus have united any more divisions simply by being born? Hardly. Hardly at all. He pretty much covered every aspect of life at that point. And in doing so, God revealed several things. Several things about his love that I want us to kind of look at today. First of all, Christ is love embodied. The Bible talks about love in many places. God is love in the Bible and his love story for all humanity. I mean, that's what the whole Bible is all about. From creation, God made people and shared time with them in the garden. He spent time with them as companions and, and, like, and like they were his children. And when sin entered the world, bringing death and brokenness and separation and, you know, from such close companionship with God, he continued to work and covenant with humans. Through generations and generations, he tried over and over. He worked his master plan and a promised Messiah to make a way to restore the relationship with humanity. This is why Jesus, who is described as, as the groom in the church, as his bride, the relationship with God and brings us into a relationship of love. It is reunion with love itself. John the Apostle describes the love of God in the fourth chapter of his letter in 1 John 4, 7 through 16. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent the one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us a spirit given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be a Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, and God lives in them, and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. John tells us that God is love. God, you know, personifies that. Love is his nature, and he has shown it to us by sending Jesus Christ to the cross for our sins. When we come to Jesus, giving him our lives and making that decision, we are restored to love and the ability to love other people who are unlovable. We are fulfilled in love. We live in him, and he lives in us. We can count on God's love because it will never let us down. It fills us and it fuels us. It calls us and enables us to love each other. And that brings me to my second point. Love defines and propels us. It moves us forward. 
Jesus brought this, this reconnection and restoration to love himself when he entered into the world as a baby. You know, near the end of his earthly ministry, and he is gathered with his 12 disciples for the last Passover meal, he tells them in John 13, 34 through 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. But this, every, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As Jesus teaches his disciples, he wants to make sure that they love like he loves. And here's the most important part. He will, you know, or, or, how will people know that we are followers of Jesus. How will people know? By the love that we give out to other people. By the love that we show to other people. And we've all heard this and we've all studied this and we, you know, we hear this from time to time. But how will people know that we are Christians? It's by our love. Love is what defines us. It marks us and characterizes us at least it should. In this political climate, and this racial climate in this world, my question to you is, has your love shown other people that you are a follower of God? That's a tough question. The church has not always done a such, a, such a great job of this. We as, we as a body of Christ do not always do a good job of this. It is easy for us to point a, figure, uh, or a finger at some pretty, uh, pretty big wrong things uh, you know, and say, that is wrong, that's not lovable by the church history, you know, by the church through history. And, and we can all think of, of public Christians who have fallen down or, or churches in our time that make us cringe or, or make us angry at what's going on or embarrass us by their, their rigid, unloving actions but we must also look at ourselves. Of course, none of us are perfect as individuals or a collective church, but each of us can certainly find opportunities this Christmas season and our current cultural you know, climate to allow God's love to flow through us to other people. And that brings us to our third point. Love empowers us to cross the borders. I mean, these are divided times. It seems our culture, our nation, our world, our people have multiplied the ways to divide us. It seems that the us and the thems have been you know, running very high as of late. It is no, no means a, an excuse. But throughout history, our world has been filled with wars and, and plunder and, and oppression upon different people. There's always been the weak and, and the powerful, the haves and the have-nots. Uh, you know, there's always been too much uh, us versus them, just as there were in Jesus' day and even further back in history. Sadly, there still is. It is why Jesus' teaching was so radical. It is why God's love is so radical. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 43 and 44, you have heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies 
and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. Jesus not only tore down the walls of vision at his birth, he continually reached across the, the chasm and, uh, you know, that separation and exclusion. He befriended the hated tax collectors and even invited one to become his, you know, Matthew to, be, to follow him and become one of his disciples. He spoke to the, the Samaritan woman at the well, which brought a, you know, a couple, you know, societal taboos, you know, right into the mix. Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. And Jewish men especially did not talk with women like this in public. That was a big no-no. He told his listeners that, that if a dreaded Roman soldier forced them to carry a pack for one mile, which was, was by law what they had to do if a Roman soldier asked you to do that, he said, carry it two miles instead. One of Jesus' most powerful stories about this kind of unexpected love in action is the story of the Good Samaritan. You know how it goes. It's in Luke 10, uh, around 30, right, right in there. A traveler was robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road, and a priest comes along, and he sees him. He crosses the road to avoid the bloody scene, basically. An assistant priest did the same, but finally a Samaritan comes along the road and saw the man. And he stops and helps the man. The Samaritan bandaged him up as much as he could, put him on his own donkey, walked himself, and delivered him to an inn, and paid for the innkeeper to take care of the man until the Samaritan could return. This is a good and challenging story for us today, but it is an astounding thing to Jesus' ancient listeners. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Their racism against the Samaritans went back centuries when the kingdom of Israel split. The Samaritans intermarried with foreigners and strangers and, and established their own temple to worship in, going against God. And the Jews considered them an inferior race with a corrupt religion and viewed them with prejudice and disdain. But this is who Jesus was holding up as an example of loving or neighbor. Jesus was crossing the divide. He reached across the cultural, the spiritual, the political, and racial divide and calls us to do the same. Are you willing to do that today? Are you willing? That's a hard one. Because as I watch the news, I mean, it gets me angry at certain different times. But can I love those who hate me? Am I willing to reach across that divide, across the cultural, the spiritual, and the political and racial divisions in this world? He was illustrating the kind of love that John describes later in 1 John 4, 18 and 19. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not made perfect in love jesus's love is a fearless love that calls us and enables us to cross those borders those divides to tear down those barriers to reach out you know uh, above the disagreements because the fear is driven out by love 
Love overcomes the fear of others who may not look like us, who may not sound like us, who may not act like us, or share the same perspective or experience as us. Maybe reaching across this divide begins in your own family, maybe in your home or your neighborhood or your workplace or your community, building relationships, getting to know different types of people. Jesus at Christmas and all the time calls us together into his loving presence and invites us to make room for all, whether we think they deserve it or not. This is humility and love, a willingness to put someone else first. Are you willing to put others first? Sometimes love means taking simple steps of of building that bridge as a gesture or an invitation. Sometimes it's being willing to to listen and and not defend. It's always being willing to, to choose to see someone else, not as others, but as us equally loved by God. I love that passage in Roman that talks about we owe a debt of love to others because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for, for, for us. We need to, to equally be, be drawn and propelled out of, this, uh, out of his miraculous, divine, all-consuming love to be able to love others. This is God's love. This is the gift of Christ at Christmas, this is the heart of Christmas. You know, as we rapidly approach this season, I invite and challenge us to rediscover Christmas by rediscovering the overwhelming, all-encompassing, all-welcoming love of God. Let me end with this scripture in Ephesians. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, it says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and how and, and high and... I messed that all up. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. I can't help, but the reason why I got all confused there was because I, the, the song comes in, you know, deep and wide, deep and wide. I'm not going to sing it all, but you know what I'm saying. That, that childhood song from Sunday school about how the, the love of God is deep and wide. That's the type of love that we need to have for each other in our society. Are we willing to do that starting this Christmas season and bring that into the next year? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for, first off, the love that you have for us. That when man failed you and you kicked him out of the garden, that you started a plan. Not only to, to continue to love us, to, but to bring us back to you. And that plan began so many ages ago, and, and people waited and expected and waited and expected so long. And then 2,000 years ago, it came to be. Jesus was born as a baby. God himself coming into this world. We thank you for that love, for sending him. And we pray that we use his example 
in this world today. That we not just accept Jesus in our life and be secured in the, in the faith of knowing that we're going to heaven, but that we actually act upon what Jesus teaches us. And to love those who disagree with us. To love those who, who look different than us. Who think different than us. That we don't always have to agree, but we need to love. And I pray that through your Holy Spirit, we're able to do that. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you and may the, Lord, the love of the Lord overwhelm you so it overwhelms others around you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.